All right, if you would turn in your copy of the scripture to Matthew chapter 5 as we continue. I don't know what you do with these canes. They ought to make a scabbard or something for you that you could hook that dude in the side. But uh, you pray for me. I'm, I'm going through a little thing with a hip uh, here. Going to have to have a hip replacement, uh, which is just what I needed this time of the year. Uh, but uh, God's always good. I praise the Lord for that. I tell you, God wants people to live in a state of contentment and a state of happiness. It'd be very unusual for a happy God to want people to be created to be unhappy. He wants us to be happy. My mother was always my biggest critic. Every time I preached, my wife would verify that. She'd say, you cut up way too much. You cut up way too much. I remember when I first came here, not long after I came here, one lady said, I, I have to take a volume after you preach. And, and I said, well, you just have to take one then. You better just thank God I don't ever let it all hang out. That's all I can tell you. I believe the Lord wants us to be happy. And he says in Matthew chapter 5, we're down to verse 9 as we're going through the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. As Jesus begins his uh, constitution is king of the universe. We've mentioned it over and over every Sunday. He doesn't have an oval office. He doesn't have a palace, but he ought to have a heart in each one of us. We ought to clear a spot and let him be king, uh, king of kings and lord of lords in our life. Jesus uses this word blessed or happy to describe the life that he wants to provide for every person who will enter the kingdom of heaven. And if we're going to have that when we enter the kingdom of heaven, we can go ahead and begin to enjoy it now here on this earth while we're here. So when you come to Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, we bump into a radical concept about relationships and our privilege and our place in kingdom reality. One translation says it like this, Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be recognized as children of God. More than 400 times it re references peace in the pages of the Bible. The Bible opens with peace in the book of Genesis. The Bible is going to close with peace in the book of Revelation when we're through with all of it. But in between there, there's a war going on. There's a spiritual warfare going on. So I want us to just think how, we, how it means to be at peace with ourselves uh, and then how we can become peacemakers. First of all, I want to clarify a few myths because there are a lot of myths, uh, myths about peace. The first one is this. The absence of conflict means that there's peace. That's not right. That's not true. You can actually have peace in the midst of conflict. But just because you don't have conflict doesn't mean you have peace. There's no conflict in a cemetery, but that's not a good example of peace. The Bible, peace is almost always presented as a positive force. When two Jews would meet each other, they would say shalom. Shalom means more than just, hey, how you doing? Have a good day. It literally means I hope you don't have any battles in your life. I want to put a blessing on you. I want to express, you know, God's blessing on you. Can you imagine what would happen in this world if the ones of us in this building today would determine for the rest of this one day, the rest of this day, that when we greet people, we're going to give them a blessing. We're going to bless. Instead of, 
We're going to bless people. We're going to say, hey, I hope you have a good day. You say, preacher, I can't say that in truth. Then you need to get your heart right. That's what you need to do. Don't quit saying it. Get your heart right. Because we ought to have a heart. Well, I'm going to get in trouble here. Your horizontal relationship affects your vertical relationship. And if you're sitting here saying, I don't like this person, I don't want this person, what you're saying is you ain't got no relationship with the Father. Because what your horizontal relationship is, is what your vertical relationship is going to be. Peace is a creative force. I love it that Jesus didn't say, happy are the peace lovers. Because everybody loves peace. I mean, everybody, whoo, the hippie generation falling right. We all love peace. Everybody wants peace. Peace, not war. Who would want war? Everybody wants peace. But he didn't say, happy are the peace lovers. He didn't say, happy are the peaceable. You know, there are some people who are just peaceable. I could call out some names here. I mean, you could, you could slap them upside the face, and they, it, nothing would ruffle their feathers. They just, just go right on through. Doesn't that just upset you, that people would be like that? But he doesn't say happy are the, are the peaceable people, the people that never get bothered. He said happy are those who make peace who actively pursue the resolution of conflict and make peace. So just because you don't have conflict doesn't mean you have peace. Second myth is that we avoid the difficult situation or conversation and we have peace. In other words, you got conflict, but pretend you don't have conflict and you'll not have conflict. I love what Dr. Scott said Monday night. When the hurricane, uh, or the uh, actually it wasn't a hurricane, it was just a, a rainstorm, remnants of a hurricane. And he said the water was coming up. And I said, in the name of Jesus, that water is not coming over my sidewalk. And then when it got over the sidewalk and got up to the front porch, and I, it is not going to come up there. And it kept rising and kept rising and kept right. You sit here and say, I don't have any conflict all you want to, but if there's conflict in your life, that is when you need to be the peacemaker. Uh, it, 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 churches do this. Homes do this. Families do this. There's a pink elephant in the room, and nobody wants to talk about the pink elephant. Let's just leave him alone. He's too big to leave alone. You can't leave him alone. I was watching a news program. It's, I don't know, it's been a long time ago now. And this couple had been married 75 years. And, and they were interviewing him. And they said, man, how do you last with one woman and one man for 75 years? And he said, well, we had an agreement right off the bat that if she had something on her mind, she would just speak it. Get it off her chest. Just speak it out. Get it off her chest. And then he said, the other part of that agreement was when I got mad or had something on my mind, I'd go outside and take a walk. So I guess the reason we've stayed together these 75 years is because usually I've lived an outdoor life. <laughs> Nobody likes conflict, so we avoid it. We postpone it. We ignore it thinking it's a way to keep the pace, uh, the peace, but in the meantime, the resentment grows stronger. It gets bigger and deeper. The third myth is this, if I'll just give in to appeasement, we'll have peace. So I'll do the right thing. I'll be a peacemaker. I'll just give in to it. Well, 
I'm going to give in and let the other person have their own way. I, 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 I'd be all right with that if I could find anywhere in here where I've read where the Lord says, I want you to be a doormat. But that's not in here. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, let me try to explain it to you. Me driving a convertible. It's one of them two-seaters. <laughs> and I pull up to this red light. And over here is holiness, and over here is peace. And both of them say, hey, give me a ride. When I look at holiness, and I look at peace, and I've only got one seat available, I'm going to say, peace, I'll talk to you later on down the road. Holiness, get in the car. Because holiness is more important than your peace. Now, Baptists have been known for fighting all our lives. If there's anything, we probably maybe like potluck supper better. But fighting and potluck supper is coming right in there close together. And there was a trend in the Southern Baptist Convention several years ago, many years now. It's been since the 80s. Peace at all cost. We've got to have peace. We've got to have peace. And now, that's what's happening in our world today. We've got denominations that are going to start new denominations. Because you see, some of us have said, we're not going to go contrary to the Word of God. And they said, well, let, let's have peace. Let's have peace. So let's start a denomination over here, an off-branch of us, that where all of the homosexuals can go. And all the adulterers can go. And all the fat people can go. And all the gossips can go. And all of those who want to live in sin and still worship the Lord, let's start a denomination. We, that don't work, folk. We don't work. God is a God of holiness. And when it comes down to whether or not I have peace, if I have to drop the standards and the morals of the Word of God in order to have peace, then there won't be any peace. But as much as it depends on me, we ought to be seeking peace. We ought to do everything we can, but not to the place. I, I'm older now. I've done realized a few things. One of them is this. When you appease somebody, it rarely results in peace. You give the devil an inch, and that dude will want a foot. And you say, all right, now, I know this is 2019, and we need to, you know, this is not the same daddy's Buick and all of that, so we need to, and so we give a foot, and then he wants a yard. And then you give a yard, and he wants a mile. That's how the devil works. You say, how do you know that? Because I read that in the Word of God. I, I wish I had time this morning. You, you go back with Lot. He said his tent toward Sodom he didn't go down there to Sodom and just say I'm gonna bust in here and live like this he, he set it toward Sodom and then he got a little closer and then he got a little closer until you find Lot sitting down there at the gate he's one of the councilmen in the city down there that's how the devil works now the next question is why should I be motivated to be a peacemaker I mean what so what in this world, you're going to have tribulations. Be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. I don't have to be a peacemaker. 
Why should I be motivated? Well, number one, because unresolved conflict with another person blocks your fellowship. And that means you can't be near to God if you've got unresolved conflict with somebody else. The Bible says it like this in 1 John 4. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. Oh, let me, you didn't hear that. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he's seen cannot love God whom he's not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Well, I can't say I'll hate them then. I just don't want to see them the rest of my life. Remember, your horizontal relationship affects your vertical relationship. And in the kingdom of God, when you're on the outs with somebody else, it causes big problems with your relationship with God. So you ought to be motivated because you want fellowship with the Father. Second thing, you ought to be motivated to be a peacemaker because conflict with another person prevents answered prayer. When you've got conflict with somebody else, your prayers are not getting answered. You say, 1 Peter 3, 7, In the same way you husbands must live with your wives with the proper understanding. And I'm doing this a different translation. Try to keep some of you ladies off of me. With the proper understanding, they're more delicate than you. Amen? You say, preacher, what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means that us men is like a mug of a coffee, coffee mug that was uh, kind of honed out of mud and put in a fire, and we're, we're kind of that kind of cup. But these ladies are that fine china. They're not less than us. You treat them more. Hmm? I wish I had time to stay there just a few minutes, but... Now, now listen, listen to what 1 Peter finishes saying, though. He said, treat them with respect because they will also receive. Now, he's talking about our wives, husbands and wives, because they'll receive together with you God's gift of life. Now, listen, it's not over. Do this so that nothing will interfere with your prayers. Wow. Husband and wife, this morning, you... I've got two sons and two daughter-in-laws and four grandchildren. And today, they're all here or they're somewhere in a church serving the Lord. And for that, I am eternally grateful. I am. I praise the Lord. But I'm not an idiot. That don't mean they will be tomorrow. That don't mean they won't be next week. But here's a papa and a grandma that's praying every day. And so we've got to keep our relationship right so that God hears our prayers. Resolving conflict is a prerequisite for entering into worship. Baptists have this thing messed up. I'd have loved to have been there when the Anabaptists took over. We could have straightened some things out. you, You see Brother Aaron up here? And it, this was wonderful. I see, you know, you get to know somebody after 15 years. His, his frustration level was pretty tight this morning. <laughs> he, 
You see the worship leader trying to get folks to worship the Lord. And some of you come in here because you got a hangover from last night. You're just watching something you didn't have no business watching. Mm. See, what we need to do is put the altar out here at the front door. And you come in that front door and you get your heart right with God and you resolve all the conflict and then come on in here and let's praise the Lord. We're trying to get folk to praise the Lord that ain't right with God. Well, unreserved conflict with another person also hinders my happiness. See, whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong doesn't have anything to do. I'm just not happy. I, I, I can't allow that to grow into resentment because that resentment's going to lead to anger. And when you get angry and you get resentful, all you're going to think about is that other person. Now, I'm, I know what I'm talking about now. You can get quiet and just let it soak in. That's why you need to resolve the conflict. Job said in 18.4, you're only hurting yourself with your own anger. All right, so what do we do about it? Well, there are some things that are going to rob us from having peace. One of them is our attitudes and actions of sin. It robs us from having peace. Psalm 38.3 says, there's no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. You see, some of you this morning, you're miserable this morning. You know why you're miserable? Because you've never repented of your sin. And if you have repented of it, and then you've got more sin in your life, and you refuse to say yes to the Lord to clean your life up. You see, we started out this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who are spiritually bankrupt, we have nothing. He's everything, we're nothing. Then blessed are they that mourn. We're not mourning over people who passed away and died. We're mourning over our own sin. See, until you learn to mourn over your sin, you're never going to accept the righteousness of God. And then he said, blessed are the meek. We're not talking about weak now. We're talking about meek. And then blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful. They all build upon each other. Blessed are the pure in heart. They'll see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Mm. Isaiah 57 20 says the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest whose waters cast upon mire and dirt let me tell you what else not only will our sin rob us from peace but arguing with foolish men robs us from peace you're wasting your time when you get somebody that comes and says oh, I know what the Bible says but you just well leave him alone you just well leave him alone because that's foolish. This, this, it, listen, that's why we've got the problems in our churches today. People are trying to have a lifestyle and then they want to pick and choose a scripture that might uh, verify their lifestyle. What we need to do is verify this word and pick and choose our life that comes into this word. That's what needs to happen in our society today. Arguing with foolish men. I don't know if y'all remember it or not. It's been several years ago. Genoa, Texas, outside of Fort Worth. They had a lot of arson, lots of fires. And they were trying to figure out who in the world was starting all these fires, where it was all coming from. 
Come to find out after they investigated and got to the bottom of it, come to find out it was the fire department that was starting the fires. The fire department. And they got him up there in, in, in the, on the stand and they said, guys, what in the world were you thinking about? And one guy said this, I quote it, we had nothing to do. Huh? We, we just wanted to get the red lights flashing and the bells clanging. Well, listen, it's the job of a volunteer fireman to put out fires, not to start fires. Woo, could I tell you this morning? It's the job of a child of God to put out fires, not start fires. Hmm? It's every one of our responsibilities here for the kingdom of God and for the glory of God to put out fires and see that Jesus is exalted, not to start fires. Well, anger and bitterness can rob us also of peace. Proverbs 15 says, grievous words stir up anger. (laughs) When you get your order from the fast food and they messed it up, Does that ever happen to anybody? (laughs) In Kansas, it's a true story. Uh, One of the Kansas linemen, 6'3", 270 pounds, he come out of his car because he didn't get a chalupa at Taco Bell. Came out of his car window and was going to go in that 14 by 16 window at Taco Bell. Scared everybody to death. They all, all the employees run, locked herself in the office, called the police. And when the police got there, here this guy is, hung up in this window, can't get out with his feet hanging out. He's like, preacher. <laughs> well, when we let our anger get a hold of us, it has a tendency to get the best of us. Hebrews 12, 15 says, looking diligently, Lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. During World War II, we had a U.S. submarine called the Tang, T-A-N-G. And it surfaced in the darkness of the night one night to fire off the coast of China a large Japanese uh, fleet. And they had already been in a lot of raids. They only had eight torpedoes left. So it was vitally important that every torpedo hit every target. And the first seven they shot off, every one of them hit their targets. Perfect. They shot that eighth one off. It deviated, turned around, headed straight for the submarine. True story. They said submerge. It was too late. Within moments, that torpedo hit the U.S. Tang, and instantaneously she sank. I want to tell you, I think there's a lot of folk, a lot of folk that are destroying ourselves because we're holding grudges and we're shooting out things at someone else, but they deviate and they come back and they destroy us. Apprehension of worry robs us of peace. Rod Cooper tells a story of growing up in rural Ohio, and he said, we didn't have anything to do. Y'all remember those days? I mean, all we did in Corrigan was ride down two miles and turn around and come back to the freeze and turn around and go back. I mean, that's all you had to do. 
That's it. They closed the theater down, didn't have no show. He said, we'd get together and a whole group of us and we'd go visit a haunted house. And uh, it wasn't really haunted, but it was an old house down a sandy lane, he said. Uh, old hinges and the, the shutters would be flapping and the shrubs would be hitting the tin and everything and, and everything. And he said, man, he said, we would creep through that house. You'd hear all kinds of noises because we didn't know what was going to happen next. And he said, if somebody would tap one of us on the shoulder, they never would have caught us. But he said, we, we were looking at what was going to happen next. And folks, I want to tell you, you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know. None of us. This, this is a good place, too. This doesn't have anything to do with my sermon. But, but I've been going to do this for about two weeks, and I've forgotten. Guys, be careful out here at this red light. They've got this thing fixed now where it's really operating fast, but people running that thing right and left. It don't leave you enough time to get out uh, before it turns red. So you, you be very careful out here, okay? Yeah, I'm talking to you senior adults. You young people, you're going to do what you want to do anyway. But you <laughs> senior adults, be careful out here at this red light because that thing does not turn. So wh what I'm saying is, is you can sit up all night and worry. I used to tell Becky, Baby, if you can show me we're worrying, we'll help. I'll set up all night with you, and we'll worry together. We'll have a party. Make popcorn, drink Coke, and have a worrying party. But you know what? 1 Peter 5 says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. If the Lord's going to be up all night anyway, ain't no need of both of us staying up. Huh? You, you, you say, preacher, that's easier said. I know it is, but I'm just telling you, you, chill out, folks. Jesus is Lord. He's in control of this thing. And usually, it's me that don't get my way that what I'm so shook up about. Cast thy burden on the Lord, Psalm 55, 22 says, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. And then, of course, we could go into Matthew 6, take no thought of tomorrow for your life. What is it? You eat or drink your body. I mean, we could just don't worry. The fourth thing here that I just will close with, how can I be a peacemaker? I mean, if it behooves me to be a peacemaker, which it does, how can I be one? Well, number one, I, I wish I didn't have to say these because I don't like them. Number one is always take the initiative first. You remember, it goes back to Matthew chapter 5, 24. I wish, I, I'm sure, I've looked in the Greek every way I can. I'm sure, I'm not sure, I'm not going to be facetious. He did not say that when I come and bring my gift to the altar and realize I've got something against a brother, leave my gift. He said, when I bring my gift to the altar and realize my brother has something against me, you leave that gift. And you go get it straightened out with that brother. And then you come back and you give your gift. You see, it really doesn't matter if you're the offended or the offender. As a citizen of the kingdom of God, it's always our move first. It's always our move first. So take the initiative. Second thing is always take the high road. You want to be a peacemaker? Take the high road. 
What I mean is you need to take into account the other person's needs or what's going on in their lives because 90% of the time that I'm upset is because I didn't get my way. And I've not thought, well, what about this person? They got needs. They've got, they've got things they're going through. What can I do to help them? One of the greatest values of conflict is that most of the time, now I'm just basing upon our marriage, conflict is good because the resolution leads to greater intimacy and greater relationship. Mm. Well, taking the high road says I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt rather than criticize and judge them. And we don't have time this morning to go into, into uh, Matthew 7 you say, we're not supposed to be judging. No, you're taking that out of context. We're not, what he says is we're not supposed to be judging others on those little specks they've got when we've got a telephone pole in our own life. You get rid of the telephone pole first before you condemn anybody else. Taking the high road means I care more about them and their needs than I do about me and mine. And then number three, could I just share this with you? I wrote down. Always attack the problem and not the person. Well, we're, <laughs> I don't know if you're thrilled or not. I'm thinking of selling all of our TVs. If you all need one, I've got some for sale. Because I don't know that I can stand over a year of the election mess we're fixing to go through. <laughs> and it won't have anything to do with principles. It won't have anything to do with... With, with economics or education or anything, what 99% of it is going to do is we're going to blame other people. We're going to try to shoot down somebody else's character. Well, let's go ahead and make the ground level. There's not a one in this building right, none of us. There's nobody in here good. You say, oh, I'm good. No, you're not. The only good thing in you is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. So attack the problem I think what God is telling us is, could we engage our brain before we engage our mouth? Ephesians 4.29, do not use harmful words, but only helpful words, the kind that build up and provide what is needed so that what you say will be good to those who hear you. And then number four would be cooperate as much as possible. Romans 12, 18, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. But we, we, we need to be focused on what we agree with more than what we don't agree with. I mean, we agree the Bible's the inerrant word of God, amen? I mean, most of you do. <laughs> I was going to start out this morning with a little thing for you to repeat after me. I want to be a peacemaker. I want to be a peacemaker. But I didn't know how many of y'all really wanted to or not. I was scared I'd just two or three of us would be the only ones doing it. <laughs> Cooperate. Kingdom citizens. We find what we can do together. And then James 3.18, the promise of God to peacemakers. Goodness is the harvest that is produced from the seeds the peacemakers plant in peace. There is an inevitable law of the harvest. If you plant corn, you're going to get corn. If you plant okra, you're going to get okra. 
It's a law of the harvest. If you plant peace, you're going to get peace. You plant strife and discord, you're going to get strife and discord. It's, it's the law of the harvest. But the good news is we can plant seeds of peace. And then let me just tell you this. Always work toward reconciliation, not resolution. Reconciliation. We're reconciled in Christ by the blood of Jesus Christ. And our goal here is to reconcile as many people as possible to the same Jesus Christ who loved us and died for us. You say, well, preacher, what's the difference between reconciliation and resolution? Well, to reconcile means that you're reestablishing a relationship. It doesn't mean you're going to resolve all the problems. There's still going to be problems. Don't walk out of here this morning and say, well, the preacher said if we just do this, we wouldn't have no problem. There are always going to be problems. One of the differences is how we communicate. Ladies, I mean, if I, if I had a nickel every time a lady said, my husband won't listen to me. Anybody ever said that in here? Could I give you some hysterical facts? The average woman speaks 27,000 words a day. A man's ability maxed out is 15,000. So you already got 12,000 words floating around out there that we can't handle. There ain't no way. We're not getting up for it. We can't handle it. <laughs> there are going to be differences. And we need to be honest about those differences. And we need to resolve them as much as we can. But reconciliation means bury the hatchet, not the issue. We, you know, the big issue today, you know. I'll go ahead and just do the pink elephant. Is drinking. Is drinking all right? That, that's one of them things that, you know, you can get in trouble with in a minute. Now, I don't believe we ought to be drinking because I've done bought too many shoes through the church and too many backpacks and too many clothes, and I've seen what alcohol does. And the best way to stay away from it is, is not affect your life is to stay away from it. Hmm. But let me just tell you, if you want to have wine at night, I, I'm not going to send you to hell over that. I can't send you to hell anyway. I can make you feel like you've been there for about an hour on Sunday morning, but I can't send you there. There, there are going to be things that we disagree on, but we need to bury the hatchet as far as our relationships go. Why do we need to do that? Because Jesus said, this world will know you're Christians by the way you love one another. That's what this world needs. They need to see a church that loves each other, that lifts each other up, that encourages one another. God has modeled for us what he wants us to do. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 7, uh, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in charge, not counting men's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
years ago, Lord Nelson was the English uh, head of the English fleet. And he had defeated the French. And uh, there was a French admiral who was surrendering to Lord Nelson. And uh, they set it all up to be done. And in comes this admiral. And he's got his hat on, all his reggae. He's got that suit where the scrambled eggs are hanging off the top on both sides there and everything. And he's walking up. And he's almost got a smile on himself. And he's, he's got his sword with him. And he reaches out to Lord Nelson to shake his hand. And Lord Nelson never put his hand out. He said, sir, your sword first. Lay down your sword. I believe this morning with all my heart, there's a lot of Christians that are running up to God in a freelance movement saying, God, help me. And I believe God's saying, sir, your sword first. You need to surrender your sword. You need to give up your life. You need to give up your wants. You need to give up all the things that you think make you happy and begin to say, Lord Jesus, would you have your way in my life? I might not want to do this, but Lord, if it's your will, would you do this in my life? I want to tell you, I believe with all my heart, God, I honor that. It may be in this morning. I know, know maybe about it. There are those in this place this morning that until you get your heart in tune with God, till you admit you're a sinner and that you cannot save yourself, there's no way in the world you're going to have peace in this world. It's not going to happen. It only comes through Jesus. But then there's a lot of folk in this place today that we know we've had Jesus. We know he's our Lord and Savior. But boy, we've got some grudges. We've got some things of life and may very well be in the right. But it doesn't matter if it's in the right or not. If it robs us from the peace and the relationship of the Father, we need to get rid of it. And say, Lord Jesus, I want your will to be done, not mine. Maybe this morning you need a church home. This is a fantastic church, tremendous church. And we'll welcome you with open arms. Won't agree with everything. Uh, there's nobody here agrees with everything. My wife don't even agree with me. <laughs> I'm not saying we agree, but I'm saying we've covenanted together that we're going to build the glory of God. And we're going to see God continue to move and save people all over East Texas and all over this area. Father, you know our hearts this morning, every one of us. I pray this morning. For that one that's lost, doesn't know you as a personal Savior. Lord, I pray right now that, God, you would speak to their heart, Lord Jesus. And I pray you would, the Holy Spirit would be so real to them that they cannot deny you. God, you'd have your way in their life. Lord, would you cleanse me? Lord, would you just let your Spirit come into this place today and do what you want to do? have your way in every one of our lives. God, there are people in this place that are hurting and the only real peace they'll ever have will be to come to you. Oh God, would you let that happen today? Have your way and we'll love you and praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Brother Aaron's going to lead us in music. I'm going to ask you to come. God's speaking to your heart. You stand with us and come.